Chapter 11 Esplin 9466 I had enjoyed two days in my new Hork-Bajir body. It was still a wonder to me. A miracle. The only unpleasant part was the constant, nagging cries from the hork mind. It wasn't that he refused to accept the new reality. He was simply too stupid to know what was happening. Too stupid to understand. I walked throughout the ship now. It was built for Andalites, of course, so most of the floor had once been growing, green, red, and blue grass. The ceilings had been wonderful holographic images of an Andalite sky. Andalites hate confinement. I knew that about them. I knew that they were building a new generation of spacecraft that would be called dome ships. These dome ships would actually have huge, artificial parks. Grass and trees and open sky. But the grass on this transport had long since died. We had no use for grass. And we had no fear of confinement. Here and there were yellowed patches that had managed somehow to struggle on. But for the most part, the underlying steel mesh was visible. Visible! The very idea was new to me. That there could be things one could see, and things one could not see. The Andalite ship was built for transport. But there was a transparent portion of the hull I could look through with my eyes and see the other ships in our little armada. Nearby, close enough to see, were a pair of Andalite fighters. We had four altogether, plus the two transport ships. We had also seized an Ongachik craft and three Skritna ships. The Skritna ships were slow but well-armed. The Ongachik ship was faster but carried no weapons. Down below, filling half my field of vision, was the hork planet. It was the first planet I had ever seen. It was infinitely different from feeling smelling, listening to descriptions, to see it hanging there in space. It was overwhelming, so huge, so strange. Usplin, a voice said. I turned to see another hork host body. It was Karger 7901. I had known Karger for a long time, but I had never liked him. There had always been something too crude, too violent about him, too ambitious. And now Karger was one of my fellow hork controllers. There was talk of creating new ranks. Everyone said that if we were going to become a conquering army, we would need a hierarchy. The ancient Council of Thirteen would remain all-important. But beneath that would come something called Vissers and sub Karger had already begun to refer to himself as a sub No one had contradicted him. Esplin, come with me. Why? Don't ask questions, Karger said. Just come. I followed him. He led me toward the docking area just behind the bridge. There we met up with two Ged controllers I didn't know. And Akdor was there as well. We have just received an intercept coming from the surface below, he said tersely. An randalite broadcast. 
I felt the surge of hormones within the hork body. The surge that came with fear or the anticipation of action. There is an Randalite outpost on the planet. The broadcast was not encoded. We believe there are just four Randalites. They must be killed immediately before they can discover our presence here. Karger smiled with his hork mouth. I will be honored to command the attack. No doubt you would, Akdor said tersely. But you are going so that we can put those hork bodies to use. We will attack from the Andalite fighter craft. But if all four of the Andalites are not killed, you two will go after the survivors. I'll admit, I felt a qualm at that. Unlike the others, I knew about Andalites. I knew how advanced their technology was, and how dangerous. I also knew that even without any other weapons, with tails alone, they were dangerous. But I would have died rather than admit those doubts. This was the path to power. To be there, in the first combat use of hork hosts, would be an important thing. And if Karger could call himself a sub why shouldn't I be one as well? Two of the Andalite fighters were brought in to dock with the transport. Karger and I went aboard one. It was a short ride down to the planet's surface, half an orbit, then down through the thin atmosphere. The two fighters stayed close together in formation. I had taught our pilots that concept. I had learned it from studying Andalites. Spacecraft information are harder to attack. Not that we expected to be attacked. There were four Andalites on the planet's surface, but no ship. Down we went, skimming across the surface of the planet, and then down, down into one of the huge valleys. It was dark on this side of the planet. Night. Eyes do not function well at night. But it didn't matter. We knew where the Andalites were. We came in just inches above the treetops. Pilot, I said. My studies of Andalite methods reveal that this ship possesses a visual augmentation device. The pilot, a GED controller, of course, snorted like I was a fool. We know our ship, he said. He flipped on the view screen. And there, on the screen, I could see the Andalite dwelling. A scoop, they called it. I saw that one Andalite was working at a computer interface. A smaller, younger one seemed to be converting, playing some game. I saw a large, probably male Andalite standing at the edge of the scoop, looking out into the darkness. Looking the wrong way, Karger laughed. Look up, Andalite. Look up and see your death. The Geds joined in the laughter. Laughter. The ability to express joy with mouth sounds. So much that was new. But I did not laugh. I see three Andalites, not four, I said. The fourth is probably inside the scoop, Karger said. No, 
and delights never take shelter unless they must, in the depth of a cold night, or to avoid harsh weather, or to fend off an attack, or when they must serve aboard spacecraft. Andalites are creatures of the open spaces. They hate being confined in any way. They become nervous and afraid if they don't have large areas in which to run. Karger sneered. You are quite the Andalite lover, Asplin. I felt a prickling on the skin on the back of my neck. It was a Hortbegir fear reaction. Fear of Karger. I will kill more Andalites if I know their habits. I said gruffly. The two fighters were now no more than 300 feet above the scoop, engines on very low to avoid being heard or seen, another tactic I had discovered from my study of the enemy. Shredder-powered. Target required, the Ged pilot said. There are only three Andalites in view, I said. Wait till the fourth one joins them. Wait? Fool! Shoot! Karger demanded. No! The remaining antelope will see the... I said shoot! Karger roared. That is a direct order from your subvisor. Shoot! Kill them now! Chapter 12 Aldria There was no warning. No warning except for the awful feeling in my stomach. The churning, awful feeling of dread. The shredder beams fired from the sky. Not too far up. They had come low, snuck closer, and hovered. Lights off, hidden by trees and darkness. The scoop exploded. The air pockets in the construction material superheated in a microsecond and exploded. The moisture in the ground, in the grass and soil, turned to steam in half the blink of an eye and exploded. Everything that could burn, burned. And everything can burn in the heat of a shredder at full power. Everything. No! I screamed. I felt the blast of heat on my face. I felt the concussion roll across me like waves. No! The scoop was all flames and explosion. I didn't see my family burn. I didn't see them, but I knew it was happening. A hundred feet away, less, they were already dead. Dead with the first shredder blast. I couldn't stop screaming. The two stolen Andalite fighters fired, again and again, fired till what had been our scoop was nothing but fused glass, molten slag. Someone grabbed me. I whipped my tail without thinking, enraged, terrified. Doc Hummy took the blow on his left arm. My tail blade sliced through half his wrist blade. A small blade piece fell to the ground. The shutter fire stopped. What had been our scoop, what had been my family, glowed red in the night. It would be days before the heat dissipated. 
You must get away! Doc said fiercely. They're dead! I moaned. No! No, no, no! You must get away! He said again. They're all dead! The ones who did this may come back to check. To be sure of what they have done. Doc said. They must not find you. What does it matter? Oh, my mother! My father! Paraffin! Paraffin! Doc grabbed me and turned me away from the awful scene. He took my head gently in his two claw hands and made me face him. But as a Hortbegir, he didn't understand. My stock eyes could all too easily stay riveted on the glowing red wound that had been my life. As you said, Aldria, this is why I was born a seer. To save my people from these yurks who have done this evil thing. But I cannot do it alone. You must help me. Help? I sobbed. Help what? Help me to understand. To understand this evil, Doc said. Will you help me understand this evil? I was sick. So sick with fear and hatred, I wanted to die just to make the sickness stop. But Doc had shown me a way to live. A reason to endure the violence eating away at my insides. No, I won't help you to understand, I said. But I will help you kill Yurks. That I will do. I will help you kill them, and kill them, and kill them, and kill them all! I screamed in powerless rage at the sky where I knew the Yurks were hiding. Kill them all! I cried. Kill them all! Chapter 13 Doc Hami I was still shaking. My face still burned from the awful heat. My mind was reeling, swirling, crazed by what I had seen. All I knew of Endolites and the galaxy beyond my planet was what Aldria had told me. She had not told me of such things. She had not told me of weapons, of wars, of yurks. I knew none of these things. I knew that there were monsters who lived in Father Deep and sometimes rose up to take unwary hork who had gone too far down the valley walls. But those were monsters. They did not use spacecrafts. They did not strike invisibly from the sky. I knew this, though. When monsters attack, a hork must run away. If one monster attacks and fails to drag you away, another monster may be drawn by the noise and attack as well. These yurks might be like that. They might still attack again. Aldria was not listening to me. I took her arm with my hand and pulled her away. I made her follow me into the shadows, away from the horrible glow. I had to tell the elders of this. Nothing like this had ever happened. They had to know. They would have to decide. No, I realized. I would have to decide. They would look at me and say, Doc Hami, you are the different one. 
You are the seer. Tell us the way. I stopped running. Aldria stopped too. I must decide, I said. I felt as though a tribe tree had fallen on me. I thought I had learned so much. I thought I was wise. But I knew nothing. I'm not ready, I said to Aldria. I don't know what to do. Before she could answer, I saw two Orkbajir coming toward us, running. They must have seen the lights from the sky. Do not fear, brothers, I said to them. Oh, we're not afraid, one said to me. His tone was strange, different. He walked straight toward me. As he drew close, I realized I did not know him. Was he from one of the other tribes in the valley? Slash! He struck me with his wrist blade. I was cut in my chest. I could see the blood. I could see that the skin was separated, as though a large mouth had been cut into my chest. It caused pain. Why did you... Slash! Slash! He struck at me, using his feet and elbow blades. I was cut again. I was bleeding. The left side of my face was deeply gashed. It had all happened in the blink of an eye. Forget him! Get the Andalite! The other hork yelled. The second hork leapt at Aldria. He was slicing the air with his blades, whirling and slicing as if doing a sky dance. Doc, fight back! These aren't real hork Aldria said. What? Fight them! Aldria yelled, and she swung her tail, whipping it forward so fast that the air cracked. The small blade at the end of her tail struck directly into the chest of the second Hork-Bajir. He leapt back, hissing furiously. All I could do was stare. I was bleeding. I was cut in many places. I felt pain. But more... I felt confused. How was it possible for a hork to cut me with his blades? It was not an accident, like sometimes happens when we are harvesting bark. We were not harvesting bark. This hork had cut me. Deliberately. Why? Ignore the stupid one! Help me get the Andalite! She cut me! Now, both hork turned to Aldria. They moved closer, slashing madly at air, drawing closer all the time. They circled, forcing her back against a tree. If they kept slashing and moving toward her in that way, she would be cut. She would be cut so badly that she might die. I had seen hork who had been accidentally cut. Once, an old, weak hork died from the cut. Aldria's tail quivered, poised. A sudden leap. Both hork jumped at Aldria, blades flashing. Aldria's tail whipped again and again. She tripped. One of her legs buckled, and she sagged to one side. Die, and like the filth! One of the hork screamed. His blades flashed. I looked at my own wrist blades. Aldria screamed in rage and terror. 
I held out my arms and saw the blades there. It was as if I were seeing myself for the first time. Something happened then. It was as if I had been given the power to look right into the heart of Father Deep. I could feel a terrible knowledge, a terrible understanding. I could feel... power. Doc, help me! I jumped on the back of the closest hork I swung my arm as hard and as fast as I could. My wrist blade sliced into his back. It sliced through the muscle. It sliced through his spine. Every muscle in his body went limp instantly. He fell back, unable to move his legs. I looked at the other hork but he was backing away, turning, running. Karger, you coward! The injured hork cried. I stared at my wrist blade. It dripped with blood. Gens! Aldria yelled. I followed the direction of her main eyes. Two loping, strange, small monsters were approaching. They held small machines in their hands. We have to run! Aldria said. Run? I was still staring stupidly at my own blades. The hork at my feet groaned. His arms moved weakly. His legs moved not at all. Aldria bent her upper body to bring her face very close to the wounded hork Whatever your name is, Yurk, go, tell your masters. First, your treason destroyed my father, and then you murdered him and my entire family. But you will not have this planet. We are the indolents, you parasite worm, and we'll see you all dead. You and your entire filthy race. Tell your masters that. The two creatures Aldria called Geds were rushing forward now, raising the small machines in their hands. The daughter of Ciro will show you the other side of the Andalite character, Aldria said to the injured hork Then, Aldria and I ran. Hello, Phanomorphs, and thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs Auditory Experience. As always, this is your host, Daniel, and uh, I guess I'd like to just start out with an apology for anyone that was startled or spooked or, uh, I guess, listening in headphones maybe a little too loud and did not appreciate all the yelling in uh, that middle chapter there. Uh, Sorry, it's, uh, you know, big emotional scene. I I read it before recording. It's like, I'm going to blow out my track here. There's just no other way. And that's what I did. Um, but hopefully it wasn't too bad. <laughs> uh, hope you all enjoyed it. I certainly enjoyed uh, recording this set of three. This is, you know, we've we've done the exposition and this is the inciting incident. And ooh, is it a good one? Um, I also have some some mail to read. So da da da, it's uh mail time. <laughs> so first, uh, from everyone's. Favorite Australian farmer, Tank, writing back in, says, Hi, Daniel. I'm loving the hork Chronicles, and you're pretty, bang- Excuse me, you're pretty bang on with the voices. Absolutely no complaints from me. Aldria Iskalan Falan and Doc Hami are a great duo. I am excited to learn more about them and their growth. 
Once again, I attached a few photos of me taking my son for his first tractor ride, a relaxing night on the beach, and more so and more southwestern onions. Stay safe, keep laughing. Till next time, my name is Tank, and I believe the Andalites will come. Till then, we fight. Thank you for writing in again, Tank. Always a, a delight to see uh, your farm photos. I don't know, it just brings me joy. Uh, I, I see you there with your son on that tractor. That's awesome. I love that. Also, I had never actually considered uh, like fishing at the beach. You know, when I think about fishing, it's either like at a pond in a community or, you know, like on a boat or something. Beach fishing sounds very relaxing. I should try that sometime. That photo looks very relaxing. I'm very relaxed to looking at it. <laughs> um, thank you for writing in. I also have uh, a, a review. If you'd like to leave me a review, you can do that on Apple. What am I saying? If you use Apple Podcasts and would like to leave me a review, I will read it here. Um, but uh, this is from E.T. from Mars, who writes uh, titled Great Podcast. Stick with it. The quality only gets better as the books progress. Daniel's voice acting and production quality really bring these books to life. Highly recommend for Animorph fans, new and old. Thanks, Daniel, for the great work. Thank you, E.T., for the uh, review. Yeah, uh, and I do think... I uh, Actually, someone reached out to me on Tumblr uh, earlier this week to point out an error in an old episode. Um, somewhere in book two, I had a lot of dead air at the end of the episode for some reason. Uh, and I had to listen back through it to, to find the episode or whatever, and I was like, wow, this is very different from what I'm doing now. Um, maybe one day I'll go back and re-record uh, some of those early books because I hadn't really figured out the voices yet and my energy was kind of low. My editing was a little weird and the mic quality was actually noticeably bad, noticeably worse, um, at least from my perspective, from hearing my voice every week for <laughs> all this time. Um, but yeah, thank you for that review, E.T. Uh, thank you for that email, Tank. If you would like to write in uh like tank did you can do that through a variety of ways you can do that through gmail that's audiomorphscast at gmail.com you can do it on tumblr audiomorphscast.tumblr.com or of course you can reach me through my website theapocalypse.com that's the apocalypse like apocalypse but with a d in the middle uh where you can also see uh my other creative endeavors which is mostly a lot of dumb t-shirt designs i made a one-page rpg based on riverdale and i'm currently doing a rewatch podcast with my friend art about riverdale uh we are on season four with that which is a season neither of us have seen yet so uh it's fresh for both of us it's been kind of a slog if i'm gonna be honest but it's finally picked up right near the end so here we go that sounds good. Check it out. It's got four uh, listeners, according to Spotify. So, you know, pop it off. <laughs> um, what else do I have to say? Oh, uh, there may be no episode next week, or it may be a delayed episode next week. Uh, it's my birthday next week. Turning 31. Wowza. So, um, you know, work. M me working on stuff is going to be a little light that week, because I will be... Um, celebrating the inevitable march of time <laughs> um oh but uh if you want to stay updated on any sort of scheduling changes be sure to check out at audiomorphs on twitter that's where i'll post those you can also tweet at me there i probably won't read it out on the show but i will reply and say hey how's it going uh that is uh all i got for you this week i think so uh thanks for listening and i will 
maybe see you next week, but if not, certainly the week after, um, you're going to get brand new 31-year-old Daniel, so get ready. <laughs> My name is Daniel, and I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight. We fight.